Hello and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. Come back every second Monday to hear new episodes and subscribe in iTunes or add the show to your RSS feed. That way you will automatically download new episodes as soon as they get released. For more information, detailed show notes and links, you can visit soundofthemoment.com. And if you like what you hear and you feel like supporting the show, the best way to do that at the moment is to give it a favorable review or rating in iTunes that will help other people to find it. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver. And if you would like to give the Sound of the Moment Facebook page a like, that would be much appreciated. This is episode number six for 1st of January 2018. First of all, if you're listening to this as it comes out, I'd like to wish you a very happy new year. And I hope you had a nice festive season the past couple of weeks. My guest today is the saxophonist Martin Hogenhaus, and his latest trio record is entitled Mimicry, and it features him alongside bassist Thomas Rolf and drummer Mark Schilders. You'll hear my conversation with him in just a moment, but first, here's a track from that album, and this is called Vertigo. Thank you. 
That was music from my guest today, Martin Hohenhaus, uh, saxophone player, band leader. Uh, welcome to the show, Martin. Thank you. We just heard music from your trio, which is, uh, I, I suppose most people might know you from, from Brut. Yeah, uh, Which guess. is yeah. possibly the most, the most well-known thing that you're, you've been up to. Um, but the, the trio is something quite different. Maybe first you could tell us a bit about yourself and, and what you do. Yeah. Um, uh, well, uh, I'm a saxophone player, composer. Uh, um, I'm originally from the north of Holland, from Leeuwarden, and I moved to Amsterdam in 2006, where I studied at the conservatorium. Um, and I finished my master's degree there. And since then, I've been playing in this band called Brut, which mm-hmm. is a, like a kind of a boogaloo surf-based jazz band with Hammond and bass and drums and saxophone. Yeah. Um, and besides that, I, I've played with um, Rainier Bass's band, uh, the more socially relevant jazz music ensemble, yeah. <laughs> for quite some years. And, and now I have my trio... And those are like the three main projects I have. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where we should start. Um, maybe, I mean, you said the most now about Brut. We'll, we obviously heard some trio music, but maybe we can talk about that a bit later. Because um, I suppose that's the main thing. But um, as far as Brut is concerned, what, how, like, how do you come up with this idea of a instrumental like boogaloo surf rock kind of a thing yeah well the 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 the, the story of the origin of brutus is quite uh, is like one big story of coincidences because um uh Falkert, felix thomas and me were actually we didn't uh we haven't we hadn't played together mm-hmm. um but we were f- basically friends we knew each other through the conservatorium i i played with thomas and felix played with Falkert, but we didn't really play together as a band yeah. we only had one uh, two jam sessions at the school and for the rest we were just spending the summer uh, hanging out and then um there was this opening party for the uh, amsterdam hogeschool for the kunsten um for the conservatorium uh, yeah all uh, the different art schools in yeah exactly Amsterdam. and um the girl called uh, Sigrid Paans from the pro- jazz production of the conservatorium, uh, she needed bands for this opening night. So yeah. she called Felix and she said, hey, Felix, you want to play some standards uh, background uh, <laughs> at like the, in the in 12 o'clock in some small hall in the Melkweg in yeah. Am- Amsterdam. And, and Felix, uh, were, uh, we were sitting on a terrace having, having a beer. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, oh, yeah, maybe I have a band. And he asked, guys, can you make it? And we were like, yeah, sure, no problem. So that was that. And then um, two days before the show, uh, this girl, <laughs> Sigrid, called us in, in like panicked. And she said... Okay, there has been a mistake. You haven't been programmed on the, like this small stage, but at the main stage <laughs> at twelve o'clock. Uh, and just before us, the, there was a metal band, like a like speed metal band. Okay. And after us, there was this funk band. Yeah. And then in the middle, we had to play. So so that you know we and then we we rushed into the <laughs> rehearsal space and we basically said okay what what should we do to 
not be <laughs> completely blown away by these two bands. Um, so, okay, so we had some Benjamin Herman tunes, you know, he made yeah, this yeah. album with organ, it's just like a funky jazz yeah. album. So we we picked a couple of tunes from that album and then we played some, I, I can't really remember, but we made like a, like a danceable set. Yeah. But we decided to go on stage and, and set up real small mm-hmm. at the front of the stage uh, and wear suits so that it will be an extra shock effect yeah. once we started playing, you know, like because it was cold jazz around midnight. <laughs> that was actually in the okay. program. Yeah. So, and then we started with uh, 30 seconds of the loudest noise we could produce. And then we started <laughs> with uh, this groove, boogaloo yeah. kind of groove, and everybody went nuts, basically. So, and and all those ingredients actually are still uh that's still our story like yeah that, that's what we do we we try to like bridge um the gap between jazz and pop yeah sure. or jazz and audience basically <laughs> like you know, yeah so. I, I think the the accessibility of boot is is probably the main the main ingredient yeah there, right yeah and ex- yeah and the main goal without being too not making too much concessions like we really want to make music we love yeah. we love so it's not that we we really think like okay what 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 does the audience want but it's like like some sort of we find a way um inf- infusing our music with the things we used to listen to in the 90s hmm. uh with and then like combining it with our jazz education, basically. And yeah, because I saw recently you guys have been releasing a bunch of uh, of YouTube content, yeah. which is all <laughs> covers of like Blur yeah, and yeah. Um, Sugar Babes. Yeah, Sugar yeah. Babes, <laughs> <laughs> which is, is probably the least the the last thing you'd expect yeah. from, a, from a well jazz band. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, cool. And then, uh, yeah, I guess you also take this this presentation quite far, like the idea of the whole suits thing and everything. Yeah. Is, um, I mean, you guys were, is that right? I read this thing about how you were voted best dressed yeah. band by Esquire. Yeah, amazing. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> but so that that was just a byproduct of the first gig yeah. you did. The um, first gig, which, which it only took us five minutes to come up with the concept, basically. Yeah. That's the story. Like it was just a coincidence, one big coincidence. If if we weren't, if if they didn't call us for this gig, we would never have been born. Like, yeah, basically, okay. as a band, I think. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think it's also there's a lot of humor in what you guys do, right? Like yeah. it's not you don't take don't take yourselves excessively seriously. No, um, no, yeah. we take the music seriously, but we don't take like. Humor belongs in music in this band. Yeah, sure. Um, And so you guys have, uh, you're now on your fourth album, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, um, well, I mean, I say this, uh, four albums is, is not uncommon, I suppose, but it Mm -hmm. is, so many people just make an album, two albums, and then, and then give up on a thing or move on to the next Uh thing. So it's quite a long lasting thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You... So in preparation for this, you you sent me a few videos and I was I was watching some of the stuff. And um, one significant thing is you are 
you have been a couple of times now on on David the Day, which is yeah. the sort of main um, sort of flagship Dutch television program. Um, it's that's interesting because I don't think that they typically have programmed jazz in the past, mm, right? Not really. Um, is that the appeal that you guys have for the mainstream? Like, uh, I don't know, is it something that you can talk about a bit? Or? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I think, I think that the music, um, the, the music appeals to more people than the typical jazz audience mm-hmm. because it's like the, yeah, it, it, our music originates from, from grooves that we pick from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, like whatever. So the, the music is very danceable, accessible. Well, we already talked yeah, yeah, about yeah. that. So that, that part, um, that's obvious. But the second part is the, 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 the way we look, mm-hmm. the way we dress, um, and the way we pick our artwork for the CDs, I think that's a, that's a that's an important thing to present your product that people pick up on that easily. Yeah, and that's really a thing from the pop world, right? Yeah. I think jazz people tend to still look back at the Blue Note days or whatever and be yeah. like, "Yeah, that's what a cover for an album looks like is a, a picture and of a, a guy with a saxophone." Yeah, and, exactly, yeah. and and. Uh, and you guys have got a, a whole variety of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it's the whole package. It's the it's uh, you know what the thing is in jazz music. There are not there are they you don't have that many bands like mm. working bands like like in Brut we make the music with the four of us mm. and we present ourselves as a band and. I do some interviews, but also Felix does some interviews or Thomas. Yeah. We 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 really. Uh, yeah, present ourselves as a band, and that's not that common uh, for bands to last like for over yeah. We're, we're now it's like eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we also we also work as a as a pop band in that sense, and jazz musicians don't often do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, does it, how much impact does that have on the types of venues that you perform in? Because I can imagine that it, it probably works in a place like the BIM house, but mm-hmm. that's also probably not the ideal place for you guys, right? You, uh, it's, it's like, we're very uh, ambiguous about that. Like the, the BIM house is, is still our, our temple. Yeah, of course. And, and we really love to play, but we really adjust our program to like, mm-hmm. We wouldn't be playing the same set at the Bimas than if we would, for instance, play at Paradiso or something. Yeah. That we really change our set a little bit, and yeah. and uh, we are we have been quite sometimes we have been fortunate enough to play some pop stages. Yeah. It's still hard because uh, what we consider to be our our strength uh, mm-hmm. is also our weakness. Like pop programmers think we are too jazzy. Yeah, jazz. Programmers sometimes think we are not de- we don't go yeah. deep enough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know? So it's it's uh, it's a little hard sometimes for pop programmers to have the guts to program us. But it, it in the in the past it, it a few times it happened. For instance, on um, into the great wide open. That's a, mm-hmm. 
like a cultural music festival on yeah. Vlieland in the, on the island in Holland. Yeah. Um, and and people really really digged it, and although it was instrumental music. Yeah. So we we. And we really adjusted our set to that. Like it's more danceable, high energy, not too many solos, like 15 minute solos don't work. <laughs> yeah, you know, they course. don't work on, on most of the the audience. Yeah. Well, we, but the funny thing is we don't, we don't feel that, that it's a, you have to make concessions. Like we, we, yeah. we like it just as much as playing at the BMI's or. Yeah. And surely you're reaching a very different audience, which yeah. is something that I, I think a lot of venues, even like typical jazz venues try to do and, and are not, not necessarily always very successful with, which mm. is trying to appeal to a younger audience, trying yeah. to get people in the door that wouldn't necessarily come. Yeah. Um, I think the, I mean, you can see it recently with, with like Snarky Puppy and these kinds yeah. of projects um, that there is a, a much more mass appeal now And I think also programmers are paying attention to that, right? Because mm. if you look at the places that, for example, Snarky do play at, it's it's not the BIM house. It is Pariso and it is, you know, um, larger theater spaces and stuff. Yeah. Um, I, two weeks ago, I, I visited this concert with um, uh, Brad Meldo and Chris Thiele. Yeah. Uh, and it was at Paradiso, mm -hmm. the big hall, and it was sold out. And yeah, there were chairs and everybody was silent. It's amazing, <laughs> most amazing thing. <laughs> yeah, I suppose if you if you're Brad Meldo, you can play anywhere. And it'll, <laughs> yeah, it'll true. sell yeah. out. Um, but yeah, um, concerning the idea of playing in different types of venues, um, I I didn't um, I didn't know I don't know much about it. So maybe you can tell me more. You guys did a project with Wilbert de Jong. Yeah, um, yeah, Wilfried de Jong. Yeah, um, he's uh, like a Dutch. Uh, well, he, he does a lot. He's a journalist. He's a like, amateur bass player, but he plays pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, and he's uh, he used to make television and and cabaret and theater. Mm. So like it's um, it's quite a big name in the in the Dutch uh, cultural scene. Yeah. Um, and that was well, that that was something. Like he he came to a few of our shows. He's uh, from Rotterdam, and we met a couple of times, and it really clicked. Like mm -hmm. he's a super awesome guy, and he knows so much about jazz music. Okay. It's sick. Like he knows more than I do, and he has like um like a very extensive collection of uh, vinyl. <laughs> yeah. So that that it we bonded quite easily. Like a yeah. very likable guy, and then out of the blue, he just said like maybe it's a nice idea to do something together. Yeah. And then we did. But so what, what format did that take you? Was some um, sort of a storytelling thing? or like Yeah, well, it, it he made stories based on our music mm -hmm. and the other way around. So he we had this song called Nazaire, which was mm -hmm. actually dedicated to someone we met in Africa. Uh, like a very nice guy. But he mm -hmm. made it into a story of a, a guy from the banlieues of, of Paris. Yeah. Um, trying to make some money, so he he made a story like a like a like a ten minute story. So we had to stretch our music to fit his story, and etc. Mm. And then it was really nice because it really influenced the way we played, and and we influenced his way of telling yeah. stories. So and then it was eclectic. It was not one story that was throughout the whole 
the whole show. It was mm -hmm. like a one and a half hour show with like 20% of pure improvisation in it. Wow, okay. Yeah. And he can, he's like a jazz musician without an instrument. Yeah. Because he could easily like go in our flow. It was amazing. Like I, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't know anybody else who, who we could have done it with. Yeah. Because he, he was so easy to work with. So it was basically like a really a theater show. Yeah. It was yeah, that quite must new. Have, that must have made quite a difference to your music, like from yeah. playing, writing a set that's going to fit in between a funk band and a metal band and yeah. <laughs> then performing with a storyteller. Yeah. Um, it was completely... And also the way we... We had a... So there was a director mm -hmm. who, who helped us putting together the show. Um and he he opened our eyes in in terms of coping with audience and yeah. how we actually look when we're on stage like you said like you guys are really playing for the four of you yeah and it's not really open to mm -hmm. like the audience is like yeah. okay whatever guys you're yeah. also here but yeah i suppose that's quite a common issue with with jazz musicians right that we tend to be very um well, yeah, um, introvert maybe yeah. is, is one is one way to put it, but um, it, it sort of harkens back to the whole thing of Miles turning his back to the audience and yeah. sort of like the music is the only thing that matters. But yeah. I, I think that, especially with something like what you guys do, that that is no longer very applicable. Um, so, what you? How was the the rehearsal process for this? You guys had a residency or something? And yeah, we had. We had like we did two weeks of of rehearsing, um, so we we came together and did some tryouts throughout a year. We did a, like two, it was mm -hmm. completely um, like that was like fifty percent improvised and the rest was um, stories of Wilfried fitted yeah. to our music, and then we thought like okay this works this doesn't work and then we rehearsed for only two weeks because. Uh, Wilfried used to um, to do a lot of theater when he was younger, mm. and he said that they would rehearse for five months <laughs> for one show. That's and we thought two weeks was a lot. Like, yeah, for, <laughs> for jazz musicians, we used to one afternoon, and then we yeah. go to the studio, and then go, go into the studio, <laughs> record your album. Yeah, That's true. No, um, it was completely different than we used to. I loved it actually. Yeah, that's to a work on one one piece for two days. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm guessing you had like light design and all these kinds yeah. of, yeah. Yeah. Um, is that something that you have now brought into your regular shows? Well, we, we are definitely more um, conscious about it. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we still don't have enough money to bring a light. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> it would be, would be awesome. It, it, it's so important actually for... Like the visual aspect of, of you being on stage and what does the audience... Like when you go to a gig, you you don't close your eyes. You're there to see the band play. So yeah. everything helps, like decor and... And yeah, I mean, we would love to make it into a bigger show, like lights and uh, building a set. And like, yeah, we're way more aware of that, that factor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That whole again, it, it goes back to the whole idea of, of presentation and mm. and and bringing the whole package, I suppose. Um, 
Yeah, maybe that's, um, I mean, enough about Blood. I don't know if, if, if it's ever enough about Blood, but um, <laughs> we, we should talk about your trio because that's, um, that's kind of your baby, right? Yeah, it's my um, laboratorium. It's, uh, so saxophone, bass, drums. Uh, yeah. First of all, what, what is it about that format that appeals? Uh, well, it gives, it, gives, it gives me a lot of freedom lot of space because there is no um, piano or guitar player to you know f- force me in any direction yeah like it's it's also super fun to play with a piano player mm-hmm. of course but it gives you this freedom of stretching the music harmonically and 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 also the fact that there is like there are only two people to to listen to yes it's, it's it's in a way it's just um easier sounds a bit weird but it's easier <laughs> you know if you have like multiple people giving you input uh like i only have two ears it's, it's really hard to process everything you hear yeah so um my focus is a lot better in trio yeah no fair enough and um could you maybe talk a bit about your the the sidemen in the band? So Thomas Thomas Alf is uh, the same bass player from Brut, but yeah. obviously he fills a very different function in this um, yeah yeah instance. I mean Thomas is um is a uh, is a very steady steady bass player. He has a very very good feel, very good time, um, and I really like his sound. Yeah. It's really full, mm-hmm. um, and whenever I you know take the music somewhere he's always there to like to hold on to so yeah. that's that's really important because the drummer mark schilders um is also very free and mark and me do a lot of interaction yeah while playing and if thomas would be going with us as well mm. it, it, things would get lost maybe you know, like he's always there to to save the day. <laughs> yeah, the steady guy. It's funny. It sort of goes to if you if you look at like Coltrane's quartet and the the role that Jimmy Garrison filled there. Um, I think it's always very underappreciated what he was doing because it doesn't seem that special, but mm. it allows mm-hmm. Elvin and McCoy to go all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. always got somebody in the background saying, "Yep, this is where we are, and it's all good." Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, yeah, and um, so Mark Hilders on drums. It, it, you you had a switch in personnel at some point, right? Yeah, you used I to played play with... a lot with uh, Joan Terol, yeah, uh, Catalan drummer. Yeah, and I really, really, really like his playing. He has a very intuitive, natural feel. Yeah, um, and he understands music, um, and his sound. I really like this sound. Yeah, but for the like some, I noticed that my compositions were going somewhere. And I heard some. I heard, I heard a different sound with him. Yeah. And I played with Joanne, I think, for maybe like two, three years. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, let's go somewhere else. And then yeah, because you talk about openness, and and it seems to me like Mark is a much more. Um, I mean, yeah, creative get, sounds wrong because that that sheds a, a bad light on Joanne, mm-hmm. which is not not fair because Joanne's a wonderful drummer, but. Yeah. Um, but I think in terms of interaction, like Joanne strikes me as, as sort of very much fitting to the role that Thomas fits exactly. right now, That's which exactly is it. Yeah. a very supportive and, 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 um, 
Yeah, no, that, that's interesting. And so the the music itself is is very intimate, and yeah. um, it's sort of the polar opposite to what blues is. Yeah. Um, is that something that you've always had needed to, a place to express? Or yeah, I need. I I noticed that um, I I missed like I I started the trio in two thousand thirteen, so I was still playing with Rainier mm. and we're playing with Brut that those are also opposite like Rainier yeah. is very modern uh, modern composed music um, yeah. and Brut is very down to earth uh, um, groovy music and then yeah. I still I, I felt like uh, I'm missing I don't know I miss something in between, <laughs> yeah. like you know, like an open this open sound that sometimes I had in Rainier's band, but also the groove part, and then and I I started to to feel that I was not expressing myself fully. Yeah. So then then I uh, started the trio. Yeah. Um, and it's basically what I said. It's it's a sort of like a laboratory for me to to experiment uh, with composition mm-hmm. i used to compose a lot when i was very young mm. i started saxophone when i was sec- six uh six and then i started composing actually also right away yeah wow yeah a very young age i i, I used to uh, compose with a cubase <laughs> on the computer and then yeah. with sounds from a keyboard yeah and then i did that for t- over 10 years and then when I now longer like when I started going to conservatory, mm. I was nineteen. Then I quit, stopped comp- composing. Okay, uh, because I was so overwhelmed with. Uh, well, you know the, the the good thing about a conservatory is that you learn a lot mm. about what you are actually doing. Yeah. And the bad thing is that you learn a lot about what you're actually doing. So <laughs> then you're gonna overanalyze like. Oh, but it, oh, I've been doing this, but that's like really simple. Like, yeah, and then you okay. think, okay, so it's crap. Yeah, that's really weird. And I noticed a lot of musicians have that same, um, yeah, the 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 same thing. Like that, that the conservatory and the students and the teachers kind of like how do you how do you say that like they you forget the joy while you're you're actually making music what you know like really yeah. like an intrinsic like joy enjoyment of composing something yeah and it sounds like you're talking about an underappreciation for simplicity in music right yeah also um, yeah yeah because obviously you go to school and you learn first of all you'll learn all the bebop language and all of that yeah. stuff um but also you're going to learn all of the, you're going to listen to all of the hip new stuff and yeah. all of the, the uh, complex music that people make nowadays. And it's interesting that you can hear it a lot in your music now to me that this idea of going back to simplicity and, and melody and yeah. um, even kind of song form, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Um, That's w- what I'm going for because it's, yeah. It's also because I, I I started listening to jazz quite late. Like I think it was I was really listening to jazz for my enjoyment. It was like I was eighteen maybe or like yeah. nineteen even. So the, the, the I've only listened to pop music and and I I always saw it as a completely different thing. Like yeah. okay, jazz is that and pop is that and classical is that and then mm-hmm. I noticed that that it's 
that that's actually uh, that's the the difference is not so big. So yeah. I tried with my trio, I I and also with Brut actually, we yeah. try to the this the stuff the song form of like mm. a pop song is really yeah well noted. That's exactly what I'm going yeah, for to get past the the barriers that we draw in between stuff and yeah and, and like make a theme and, and then then solo on it yeah and that's basically what you what what a lot of jazz musicians do mm-hmm. and that really uh, takes away the, the the importance of a good composition like. The, the, yeah. the, the difference between the solo part of a composition and the composition shouldn't be so big. Yeah, I suppose that is that is one of the problems with again with the the maybe education and and conventions that we fall into is the the idea of the way you treat a standard is it's a melody that the rule is you play it at the beginning and at the end. Yeah, and then there's a bunch of chords that you can play solos on, and everybody's just sitting there waiting for the solos to start. Yeah, um, and then the solos are not necessarily related. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of standards, you on the record, there's you literally play T for two, right? Yeah. Um, and you also play a couple of pieces from uh, from Ellington, right? Yeah. From the, uh, what is it, yeah. the Queen Suite? The Queen Suite, yeah, yeah, and nice music. Um, what? This is maybe an obvious question, but T for two in 2017 seems like yeah. a, like what? What do you have to bring to that material that it's it's actually just to I don't know to to it's it's in a way it's really timeless it's like a yeah. hundred years later I recorded it <laughs> yeah it's for, maybe it's like from 1925 19, yeah yeah something like that yeah and and still I don't know it um it's just such a beautiful melody it's like I have nothing to add to it just yeah. to like um and I'm not I'm not exactly exactly sure why I recorded recorded it but i really love it and i thought like hmm. it fits in a way it fits the 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 program yeah i don't know why no that's right i mean don't get me wrong i i, I don't see anything wrong with it no. um i <laughs> i just feel like so many people nowadays if you're going to record a standard it will be maybe something from wayne shorter or something you know mm-hmm. like stuff from the 60s which is more open and maybe has more in common with yeah. um the type of music that people play now but i suppose it, it's possible that something like t for two actually has more in common with the type of music that you're making maybe that's not a fair statement yeah i, I don't, don't know. know it's a big a big uh inspirator for me is sonny rollins and he used to to record the most ridiculous yeah, broadway songs yeah <laughs> and seriously like calypsos and and these yeah. these kind of like super cheesy actually brett melda recorded some of the uh, like on the street where you live, it's like it's yeah. super. Like it's from my fair lady or something, yeah, like yeah, yeah. something like that. And 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 it turns into it something beautiful. And I think I re- I really T for Two is one of my favorite stands. And I thought like, okay, why not just do something with it? Like I I, I arranged it a little bit and mm. stole it also a little bit from the arrangement of uh, Fats Waller. Okay, I think. Yeah. Um, it really appealed to me, and then I thought, like, okay, yeah. let's put it on the album, and and it's it doesn't matter if it's a hundred years from, you know, yeah, yeah, because that that sort of tradition and the the language of of traditional jazz seems very important in in your music, right? So like, it's still the not that I feel like we still have this debate about tradition versus innovation, mm-hmm. but 
because uh, I feel like we've moved past that now. Um, it was a big thing maybe in the 90s, early 2000s. Maybe it still is. I don't know. For um, some people, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, um, I don't know if, if if you have any thoughts on the, on, on the idea of tradition. Um, um, well, I... It changes a little bit my my opinion on it. I used to think that without being able to play the tradition, you can't like everything you gotta make would have no foundation. Yeah, I used to think like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm past that. I think okay. that's 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 that it it's so individual. Yeah. Like um, there are some people like. Uh, like Bram Stadthouders, maybe you yeah. know. Like yeah, yeah. If, if Bram Stadthouders won't um, play everything out of a standard, like mm-hmm. you know. But still, his music is so innovative. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, know, you can't really say that that you know he misses the. No, it's true, and I think it's it probably is an important part of um, of education, right? Is to be very opinionated about this kind of thing. I know I went through that as well. Um, The idea of you have to believe that there's something really vitally important about the tradition and stuff to be able to dive that deeply into something that is actually is quite alien to us. It's not something Mm -hmm. that our generation automatically latches onto. Yeah. um, So I, I guess as we reach the end of this conversation, I always like to ask, is there something that you would recommend listeners go check out that it can be music. It doesn't have to be, it can be, mm-hmm. um, I would say a movie, a book, um, anything. Um, well, I've been, uh, hooked on, uh, one album specifically for two years now. And it's, um, it's a great example of, of combining not only music, uh, musical genres, but also well, it's a, a biophilia by Björk. Oh yeah, of course. And it's um, she made a documentary about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she made instruments, yeah, especially for this album. And the whole album is inspired by biophilia, which yeah. means um, like the the, the it, it basically explains the fact that everything in nature is related, yeah. and everything is yeah, uh, literally bio life. Philia, love, yeah. right? So love yeah, of life. Exactly. Um, and but she released an app as well. Yeah. And like every song is a game. Yeah, yeah. And every song you have the the you can actually play with the music. Mm-hmm. Um the music is being visualized. Uh there's explanation about the uh the lyrics about uh from uh a scientist actually and yeah and it's such a big like it's such a comprehensive work and and if you so she made some instruments and all the instruments or the people made it for her but yeah. she um designed the yeah she did like everything the 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 instruments are um they have something to do with with natural movement like yeah. pendulums and Mm-hmm. Like there's actually one giant um, lightning beam, mm-hmm. and it pr- it's like uh, electricity, and it produces this. Uh, you can pitch it with a keyboard. Yeah. So okay. like, and it's super. It sounds super. Yeah, it sounds so good. And I didn't know all that 
I listened to the album and I was hooked on it completely. Yeah. And that's the shitty thing about iTunes that you only have this really small picture of the front of the album, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that's it. There's, There's no info. Yeah. And then I bought it on vinyl and then I found out about this, all this other stuff that, that it's, um, yeah, the, the way she embraces the, the combination of technology and like organic yeah. um, stuff is, is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, uh, on a fairly personal note, it's very. Uh, I'm very thankful that she did this because it's basically, it's kind of the basis for a lot of what we're doing with Tim and the telephone now. Yeah, um, like we released an app entirely because. Yeah. Hey, who you know? I, I feel like she's always at the forefront of what's happening, right? Yeah, she, I can't believe like she she released a new album last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is there is a theme like I don't even know yet what it but it's like it's one thing it's like so conceptual yeah without yeah I don't know. yeah and the, and she's exploring like virtual reality stuff yeah. and and making like pieces for um for like art galleries yeah. and she's djing at parties and she's doing and well she was an actress for a little while yeah. i suppose like that wow. yeah, yeah um, she's a, she's my biggest example for the last years. Yeah. No, I think yeah. that's the case for a lot of people. It's yeah. funny, you mentioned Bram, like Bram is, is also obsessed with her. And, yeah. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and obviously Tony is as well. And, and yeah. I, I feel like she's a bit of a common thread for, um, well, jazz musicians and improvisers is, is maybe a bit limiting, but for, for, for a lot of progressive musicians, I think she's, she's a And also what, what strikes me is that she is, I wouldn't call her music accessible. No. <laughs> like in a way she's, she, she's so the music is so weird and 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 difficult and some and still like people dig it yeah. and i'm i can't put my finger on it what but it's a great like um how do you say it like a goal for me yeah and and also uh like an optimistic she she basically tells us like it's possible to yeah. make just anything yeah and there's no compromise involved there's no, yeah um, and there's not like so, songs should have this structure or yeah, it's true. Music has to be like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, great. Um Martin, thanks a lot for being on the show. Thanks for the invitation. Um and uh, we'll hear some more of your music in a moment. Um I don't know if there's anything that you have to promote, anything coming up, any new records or projects well, or anything uh No, well there's another band I've been working with, Krupa and the Jeans, which yeah. is a bit, really big band, two guitar players, two uh two drummers. Two saxophone players wow, and, a, okay. and a bass player. Yeah, <laughs> it's with my old uh, teacher Jasper yeah. Blom. Okay, and it's uh, it's like uh, you have to experience it. It's okay. it's really eclectic mix of of, of musical genres, and uh, it's really really awesome. Yeah, cool. So we're yeah. touring with that. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, people. I mean, I'll, I'll there'll be links to your website and stuff on on the on the show, so people can go find everything that you're up to there. Mm -hmm. Um, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks. So that was my conversation with Martin Hogenhaus. There'll be more music from him at the end of the show, as usual. Visit soundofthemoment.com to find show notes and links to Martin's website, where you can buy his records and find his tour dates and, and more information about him in general. 
I'm only playing music from Martin's trio on the show today, but if you'd like to hear his other band, Brut, that we talked about quite a bit, there'll be links to their website in the show notes as well on soundofthemoment.com. I'd like to thank my fellow members of Katrio for providing intro and outro music. And if you have any questions or comments, I like feedback. So um, don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can do that on Twitter at Pat Cleaver, or there is also the Sound of the Moment page on Facebook. As usual, the best way to support the show is to add it to your RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes. That way you get automatically updated as soon as a new episode is released. And while you're at iTunes, give us a favorable review or rating that will help people to find it. Or you can always just tell a friend. Apparently, word of mouth is still a thing in this internet age, so don't hesitate to do that. If you know anybody who might be interested in hearing musicians talk about stuff, then uh, go ahead and, and let people know about it. I leave you with more music from Martin Hockenhaus' trio. From the album Mimicry, this is Sonder. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Sound of the Moment.
Thank mm-hmm. you.